0: John Logan, what an inspiration. John is a professional magician, keynote speaker, author, host of his own show, Magic Moments, on Patriots.com, the website for the professional American football team, New England Patriots. He's been on America's Got Talent, has consulted a national Toyota commercial and was a speaker at the Forbes Under 30 Live Summit this year. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down and speaking with John in New York City and learning of his journey and his story to becoming a professional 20-something-year-old magician. Take a listen. John. Welcome to The Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So, you know, you reached out to us when you heard about us through the next-gen community here in the States, and the first thing that struck me about you when I opened up your email was actually the first line, your first line. So you said, as funny as this may sound, we are the team magicians for the New England Patriots wow, (laughs) Um, that's just not something you read or hear every day. Um, And so that's when I knew I had to interview you. Um, So before we get into your work, I want to start by asking, where did your passion for magic come from? And how has it impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far?
1: Yeah, that's a very, uh, very good question. Uh, I was actually 12 years old when I was bored at my aunt's birthday party. And I was the only kid there that, that was my age. So I just uh, developed a quick little magic trick and I put it on YouTube and make a long story short, a talent agency found the video yeah. and they said, we have no idea how you're doing this. Can you, you know, what other ideas do you have? So I just told them the ideas and I signed a contract with them and I was their youngest creative consultant they've ever had. Wow. Yeah. 12 years old. So it, it really just took off from there. Um, but, you know, but to me, magic isn't really the tricks. It's not about fooling people. It's just really changing someone's perspective on life. And I think if you take that philosophy, you can really make a big difference in the world. Uh, my whole philosophy is that impossible is just a word. So that can do with magic. That can be with your personal life, anything. Uh, so I take that mindset and I try to help people realize that impossible is just a word, but using magic as a tool. To, to prove that.
0: Sure. Wow. Very cool story. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into that. So that magic trick you created was obviously really, really good. For someone to pick it, for a talent agency to go, wow, this kid's done something that's out of the ordinary. We want him. So what what, what? did you teach yourself that magic trick? What was it? Did it come out of a book? How can we learn that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. So I've always like i knew a few card tricks here and there nothing nothing crazy and it was just me just fooling i wasn't planning on doing a magic trick it was actually funny i was at a i was at a pool party with a bunch of my friends and uh my mom came and she was like all right john you got to get going i didn't want to leave or whatever but of course everything happens for a reason then we went to the party uh but yeah so i was just kind of sitting there with bored, i would, I had uh it was a mug and it was a coin, a coffee mug and a coin. And I was like, you know, you know, what can I kind of do with, with this? Uh, and I just developed a routine where you can take this assigned coin and push it to the bottom of a coffee mug. Uh, and everything's borrowed, everything's impromptu and, um, and it was just, it was a really neat visual routine that I've started performing it more and people really didn't know how I did it. So I just kind of took it to the next step and started developing more routines. And to, you know, to me, it's not about using special props or gimmicks or doing things like that. I think magic is really about borrowing objects at any moment, any time and doing something extraordinary with them. Uh, so that, that was my whole philosophy about, you know, how I kind of got started and things like that. I, I just, I love the, the reactions and what, what people uh, how would people react to them?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you go about, you said after that moment in time, you were like, okay, I want to keep creating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you go about creating them? Like, did you look on things on YouTube or, you know, <laughs> how do you even do that?
1: Yeah. So, I uh, I was actually very lucky to meet my consultant his name is Stathy Zaff and uh he's he's a great guy and him and I develop routines all the time he's working on a few TV shows right now uh he's consulted really big name magicians and him and I brainstorm every single day his his wife told me one day he t- uh he talks to me more than he talks to her which I thought was really funny but yeah so him and I develop routines we do shows together uh and it's really really special to have a person that you can that you can relate to and you can bounce ideas off of each other and you say, Well what if we did this? What if we do this? What if we do this? And then one thing goes to another and we develop this incredible routine. So it really just starts with an idea and just talking back and forth, back and forth. We never we never really say no to each other. We say, huh, that's a clever concept. What can we do with it um, so I'm very lucky to, to, you know, to have him as you know my partner in crime you know we do shows solo we do shows uh, together um, but it was funny I, I really thought that magicians when I was when I got into the industry that you know magicians are always all about secrecy and they don't want to reveal the secrets and all this stuff but I did a lot of research and it's kind of the opposite it's, it's really working together to develop the best routine the best act uh you know, obviously magicians don't like to tell the spectators or non magicians how they do it, but the magic community is really supportive in the sense that they want they wanna help you succeed and, and vice versa, which which I thought, you know, is, is an amazing community.
0: Yeah. Well yeah. it definitely sounds like one. So <laughs> I wanna go into what your parents thought. So you're twelve years old <laughs> and you know people wanna pick you up to come and do magic. Yeah. Yeah. If my, you know, twelve year old, if I ever have one, says that to me, I don't think I would don't even know what I would say. Yeah. What was their reaction? <laughs>
1: well, it's funny because, you know, I would probably say nine times out of 10 magicians who do it professionally, you know, like myself, they, were, they got a magic hit when they were younger. Or many people, not even magicians now, but many people, they go through a phase in their childhood where they like magic and last for a year or two, not even... But I guess I just never grew out of that phase. <laughs> <laughs> well wow. So, you know, my parents are like, Oh yeah, I know, good good for you, John. You know, keep, keep it up, you know, and uh and they've probably thought I was gonna stop eventually, but I just never stopped. And um yeah, but no, but they've been super supportive. Uh, I'm very lucky to have a family who supports me and pushes me to you know, to do what I'm passionate about and you know, things like that. You know, they they know I like to do it for, you know, as a career and they they're very supportive and uh and it's it's uh, I'm very lucky to have parents like yeah, that. Yeah, for
0: sure. What do they yeah. do for work?
1: Yeah, so my dad is in the education uh, system as a superintendent, and my mom is uh is in the human resources uh, department. So they, it's not <laughs> magic related. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know, I know no, what no. you think. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people say, you know, John, you know, <laughs> was your uncle a magician, or was your grandfather?" Nope. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. just <laughs> nope. Me. Just I'm the oddball. I'm the oddball. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. So you're also, you're a magician, but you're also an entrepreneur. So did they at all, were they ever at all worried? Cause obviously they had more secure jobs, traditional. Were they ever at all worried you going down this path of entrepreneurship mixed with magic that you, you know, you may actually really struggle? Yeah, I
1: think, uh, I was actually worried about that mm. to be honest with you. Um, because as an entrepreneur, it's all about risk taking. It's all about, what the risk re- risk reward balance um so it was it's difficult to you know spend all this money in advertising or buying props and things like that, and then you 're not booking any shows uh but i've I've been very lucky that you just have to do trial and error trial and error and figure out what works what doesn't what doesn't work uh so I think you know kind of everyone was maybe in that same mindset I would say well uh I went to Bryant University in Rhode Island and I uh, double majored in entrepreneurship and marketing with a, with a minor in communications. So even if magic didn't go as I wanted it to go, I still had a, a, a good degree from a very uh, credible school where I could probably get an, an, another job. Um, but magic and entrepreneurship has always been my passion, so I was very lucky to kind of take what I'm passionate about and take my degree and kind of transform it into something uh, that, I, that I really like to do
0: yeah for yeah. sure what do people say when you say you know you're at uni and they're like what do you want to do with your life and you know I'm currently in my final year and it's all about what's next mm-hmm. what are their reactions like
1: yeah uh, it's essentially when people say you know what do you want to do with your life John um, I really don't have an answer for them because my goal I say I want to prove to people that impossible is just a word regardless of what it is its uh, if that's being a magician to inspire people to go, to go after their goals in life, that's great. If it's doing something to, to help people go after their goals in life, that's great as well. But I essentially want to prove that impossible is just a word. But I'm very lucky that magic is a great uh, tool or a bridge to, to prove that philosophy. So I use magic kind of to, for the initial uh, interaction and then kind of go into the whole philosophical part when I do my keynote presentations and, you know, pretty much proving you know, if, if you have a goal in your life that you think is impossible to achieve, you just witnessed a magic show, which is essentially the impossible becoming possible. You'd be contradicting yourself if you think your goal in life would be impossible to achieve. I know that kind of sounds a little bit confusing, but if you if you listen to it again, it, it makes sense. And I and I just love that love that concept you know I'm wearing a bracelet right now says impossible my background on my phone it says impossible I live by that theme Um, so I'm I'm very lucky to you know to have magic as a way as that uh, core you know and use that whole philosophy
0: where did that philosophy come from
1: Uh, a lot of people ask me that uh, because they say I really like that phrase did you make that up (laughs) and I'm like honestly I don't know. I'm sure someone has said it before, but as far as I know, I, I developed it when I was younger and I just always stuck by that phrase. I don't know when it came to me. I don't know. I mean, maybe I read something that was inspired by that phrase. I have no idea, um, but I've always lived by that phrase. Impossible is just a word because it truly is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. So when you came up with it when you were younger, did you, do you remember doing something that was impossible and you did it and you're like, wow, like I can do it? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question.
1: I think with magic, people always say, oh, that's impossible. How'd do you do that? How'd do you do that? And I, I think that's kind of where it triggered. Wow. Well, impossible, impossible is just a word. And a lot of my keynote presentations I do, I propose a situation where, you know, let's say it's a. Uh, you know 1700 right and you're you're in boston or in new york or you're sitting on a park bench and you know you're sitting with your buddy and you say you know uh it'd be great if i could see the entire city of boston within 10 minutes right and your friend says well that, that'd be impossible you can't, you can't do that and you say oh yeah i know you're right all right well if we fast forward now in 2017 you just hop on a plane and you can see the entire city of boston in 10 minutes so i've always liked the historical part about it where you go back in time and you propose a question, you propose something that did seem impossible at that time, but now it's possible now uh, in 2017 um, because people have that mindset, those entrepreneurs, these leaders that want to change the world, they have that mindset that impossible is just a word without even realizing that. Um, So I've been really fascinated by that concept of creating something that has never been been done before to help society in a a positive way
0: for sure wow wow so talk to me about a situation your own personal experience with that phrase. so was there something in the past you thought was impossible and that now you know years later it's become possible
1: yeah um i think i've always liked the concept of uh actually yeah this is a perfect example it was I was in high school and we have this big uh, leadership conference uh, for essentially student government student councils and I was part of the the program and we went to this one day program and I think I was a sophomore in high school and you know you have thousands of thousands of high schoolers all in one room learning how to different leadership techniques and all this stuff and there's a keynote speaker he talks about his experience or her experience and how to motivate you and it was at that time where i realized like i want to do that like i want to be that person that inspires people to go after their goals in life so well this was 2010 i just got a phone call two days ago that they want me to be the keynote speaker this year
0: wow so that's awesome yeah
1: so it's like it's really amazing how the how it all comes full circle that you know the the event that i was inspired by that made me go after my passion in life and made me realize who i was they want me to now be the main speaker which you know to me at the time like wow it's it's really really cool you know it's messy yeah
0: wow (laughs) I love this (laughs) So let's go a bit into what you do as a keynote speaker So, you know, I read that, you know, obviously we already talked about how you started your business when you were 15, 14, I think it was, yeah So obviously you didn't go straight into keynote speaking But what was the first time you did a speech? And what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, I
1: I think I learned. I forget what year was when I did, mm, Ryan did my first okay. talk, but I I learned that uh, people can really be inspired, but it's really about connecting with people. It's not about if you're a keynote speaker, you don't go up there and just say here the statistic, here the statistic. You you have to connect with the audience. And I was fascinated by this by this concept of how magic cannot. Only help magicians, but can help other people, business leaders, entrepreneurs, with their life. Uh, the way that people think as magicians in terms of creativity and what other people can learn from that. So I proposed this concept uh, to my school, Bryant University, and they loved this idea of what business leaders can learn from magicians. Not in terms of misdirection, illegal acts, because people got confused, but in yeah. terms of yeah. how we get to point A to point B. Yeah. Um, so they. They paid for me to go pretty much travel the country and do all this research about uh, that idea. Essentially, what can business leaders, what can entrepreneurs, what can other types of leaders learn from magicians and entertainers in terms of the creative process and the communication process? Because I really learned that magic isn't just about fooling people. You can really change someone's life with a routine and really connect with them on a personal level and really, you know, they'll remember that for the rest of their life. Um, so it was really fascinating, the strategies that magicians use to get to point A to point B. And I do a direct parallel on what you can learn as a, as a leader, as an entrepreneur and how you can apply that to your own, own life. Um, so that's what kind of got me into keynote speaking was that I realized that magic isn't just going up there doing trick after trick, after trick, after trick. You have to really, if you want to be a speaker, if you want to be a performer, your goal should be to change someone's perspective on life in a, in a positive way. So that that's how I kind of uh, you know took took that approach because I've learned things over the years that as a magician that has helped me within, in my non magic life. So I was like, you know, like why can not I teach people these d- different types of strategies? Yeah.
0: Wow. So many questions <laughs> that. I think the first one that I really want to ask is that time that you had where your university flew you around to do research what what did you get to see you know what did you get to learn what did you put into your research paper I know we have got it here yeah and it's very thick and <laughs> it, you know very awesome so let's just go through a bit of that
1: yeah so I was very fortunate to meet uh a lot of uh business leaders and a lot of entertainers and entrepreneurs that are very high up in the totem pole, uh, you know, hosts of TV shows, uh, you know, uh, national award-winning entertainers. I was very, very lucky to, to meet all those. Um, so I kind of gathered all my research, all the one, and I developed what's called the magician entrepreneurial journey. Wow. And essentially there's five stages, uh, you know, this may kind of be obvious at first if you look at it, but it's really um, taking a lot of research and putting it together. So step one would be brainstorming. So idea generation, how to, how to essentially develop an idea that you want to do. Um, and then there's different strategies you can do with that. Uh, stage two is prototype generation. Uh, prototype isn't, it's not necessarily building a prototype, but it's building a context with, with around your idea. Or you could build an actual prototype as well. Uh, Stage three uh, would be communication techniques. So now you're taking your concept that you build a context context around and you're going out there, you're actually presenting it to an audience. You're presenting it to investors or someone, you're presenting your idea to someone. Uh, Stage four is feedback, which I think is one of the most important stages. Um, A lot of people uh, a keynote pres- a presenter or a magician or a business leader, they'll go out there and they'll, they'll just perform their show and they'll, they'll get paid and they'll leave. Uh, I like to know what people liked, what people didn't like and how to make it, how to make it better, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders don't, uh, don't do that. They don't take in feedback. They just kind of say, okay, this is the idea. Let's just roll with it. Um, then you know, so we market research, things like that and kind of surveys, Um, And then finally, uh, stage five is brainstorming again, but this time it's tweaking. So you're taking, so you developed an idea, you built a context around it, you presented it to an audience or investors, if you're a business leader or your employees, you took feedback uh, back, and now you're changing whatever you need to change to make it better. And then the cycle begins again. So that's what I developed, uh, the Magician Entrepreneurial Journey. Um, and then, yeah, I have a, about 200 pages of research <laughs> right here. I don't think we have time to go through all of it, but but yeah. So yeah. I so in my in my keynote, I, I do an interactive keynote where there's magic involved and you know engages people's uh, you know attention and we kind of defy the odds and I go through the journey and the entrepreneurial journey, magician journey, and I help people with something on their bucket list. And I kind of help them achieve something on their bucket list or help them achieve a product or service that, you know, they, they want to develop to change the world or something like that, using the the same mindset as magicians think to get to point A to point B.
0: Wow. <laughs> this is mind blowing. I love this. Jeez. Okay. The first question I want to follow up from that yeah. is, so I was actually talking, like, was out a few, uh, I think it was two nights ago um, with another Melbourne girl here in New York. And I'd never met her before, but we got linked up with someone back home. And when I met her and I was just telling her a bit about the podcast and what we're doing here at the Peers Project, um, she was obviously very intrigued. She moved to New York last year, um, you know, on a whim was like, oh, give it a go. And she's been here for just over six months. And I could tell, well, she said to me, I'm itching to start something on my own. I just don't know what that is. So I guess if she came to you, her first phase would be, I really want to start something. I just, I don't even know how to, like, generate ideas, which is your step one. Yeah. My advice to her, which is probably nowhere near as good as yours, (laughs) um, was to just look at, like, go through your everyday and see what frustrations you may have, problems that you see within your own life. Um, Because personally, that's how I develop this podcast um and the response to me was but what what are the problems in the world and to be honest with you I didn't really know what to say to her I I just kind of said um maybe think of it as more as frustrations you're going through and then perhaps that will and then she she actually said well every frustration I'm going through has a solution already So what would you say to her as advice in terms of using, um, your, obviously your first
1: stage? Yeah. So, uh, so Stati Zaf, my kind of partner in crime, he uses, he uses this uh, strategy all the time, which I think is, is genius. So what he'll do, so this is in terms of magician thinking, but I'll, I'll correlate it back to, to her, to her problem. Um, so he'll invite about 10 people over to his house. And, we, and each person will have a, a sticky notepad, and they'll circle out on a table. And all they have to do is write down the end solution to a trick. Not, not the method, but, but the end solution, what the, what the audience sees, what the spectator sees. Uh, so, for instance, this is so stereotypical, but, you know, I want to pull a bunny out of a hat. Okay, I, I don't do bunny tricks. I don't do any of that stuff. So so stereotypical, I know. Um, but I don't, I don't do animals or bunnies or anything like that. So, um, but I'll just use that so people can relate to it. Sure. So one person would say, okay, uh, I want to pull a bunny out of a hat. Another person might you know might write down, um, I want to know a number someone is thinking. And so so essentially, ten different people have ten different end end uh results. Not not how you're doing it, but the end with this what the audience sees. So they write on a piece of paper and then the a timer will go so a timer will go and you'll have one minute and you take your idea and you pass it to the person next to you. So now that someone else has your idea and you have someone else's idea. So now you have to write down a solution or a method of how you would achieve that person's idea. If that makes sense. So you write down, okay, well you could if you want to pick a bunny out of a hat for instance you could do xyz so then after a minute uh, so now everyone has everyone's end tricks has one method to it now then after a minute the timer goes off and you take your sticky notepad and you pass it to the next person so now you have another idea but now so you have to solve someone else's solution but you can't repeat the one that's above you if that, if that makes sense so you do that 10 times in 10 minutes so at the end, if you think about it, you have ten different tricks with ten different methods in each trick. So that's a, over a hundred ideas in ten minutes. Uh, I know it a little bit it sounds a little bit confusing uh, to you know, to say without any visuals, but if you do it with the like a business leader or entrepreneur, you gather ten of your friends, you get some pizza, everyone writes down you know their homework is to come over and. Uh, write down a few challenges they have in their everyday life so then you take that challenge you say okay well this could be a solution you and you pass it around pass it around so at the end of the day you may have over a hundred different ideas entrepreneurial ideas within 10 minutes
0: wow if if that makes that makes sense great advice jeez i think it just eliminates the whole well i just don't know yeah, because yeah. you're under time pressure. You have to do it. You
1: have to do you it. Have to do Yep. <laughs> and it's within the next, you know, within like the last like three, two, or even one minute, you're looking at a pad of paper that has seven, eight, nine ideas already on it to solve someone else's solution. But you can't repeat it though. That's 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 the hard part. You know, the first few rounds are easy, but now it's like, oh my god, like I can't. You know, this is I really have to put my thinking cap on now, which I think that's it's really cool to be creative in such a time crunch. Because um, you can't over over analyze or overthink um, you know ideas. Uh, and you know, another another uh, strategy that we use as staffy and I use is we take two random objects. Um, again, I'll go back to the bunny and hat thing. So stereotypical, uh, but I'll just use that one. Um, but one, if you think about one one day, someone said saw a bunny and saw a hat that had nothing to do with each other, nothing to do with each other, and said what if I could show a hat empty and then I pull a bunny out of it? That'd be pretty cool. So I, this method's called the opposite object method where you take two different, completely opposite things and you try to think of an idea that could be, um, that you could do with those objects, for instance. Um, so you, but you can use that same think-take method that I just said, but using, you just put two random objects in the middle and everyone you know, thinks of different ideas. So the,
0: the immediate question that comes is, how do you pull a bunny out of a hat?
1: I can't tell you that one. But again, I don't, perf- I don't perform it. It's very stereotypical. I've never performed that trick before. Um, but uh, I can pull a hat out of a bunny. But that wouldn't make any now. Uh, but now there's different ways you can do it. But I don't. I don't sure. do that stuff. Sure. though. but
0: very cool though. Yeah. So those are a different few different strategies
1: in this the first stage where you can just to just uh, you know develop an idea. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. Great. So I think I want to get into a bit more of your personal path. So you also had a stint on America's Got Talent. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Um, You know, how did you leverage that public promotion that you got?
1: Yeah, that was really, really, uh, really fun experience. Uh, They don't have time to air every single audition. So unfortunately my whole audition, you can't find anywhere, but, um, so essentially, I went to New York. I went in front of the producers. They really enjoyed my act, so they put me through, you know, the next round. Uh, and then, then I found, then I saw the judges, and you know, they gave me a stand ovation, you know, which was great. Um, so I got all four yeses, and kind of went to the next. So I went through multiple rounds, which is really, really neat. Um, they showed me backstage for like five seconds or something <laughs> yeah. you know because they don't have time to do every single yeah. act, but yeah. it was a really difficult act that I did. I was blindfolded and I had to pretty much memorize over a hundred different routines, depending on which one they named so wow it was it was probably one of my hardest routine I ever. I've ever done, but it was it was just such a great experience, Um, and it was really great to have my best friends and my family there, all supporting me, um, which was and I have siblings as well, so everyone was there, you know, cheering me on, which was really cool, and just to meet all the judges and uh, hosts, it was was just it was an incredible experience. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I can only imagine. So, when did that occur during all of this? Was this after you did the research, before? Uh, so kind of at the same time. Mm. Uh
1: so I've I've always kind of been doing research about this, but I didn't really fully kind of go all out uh until a few years ago. But America I think that happened in twenty fourteen. Uh America's got talented. But it was it was an incredible experience, you know, uh just just everyone there uh the audience and the judges and from the routine and, you know, again, stand over it. It was really, really yeah, neat, you know? So cool. Yeah.
0: How do you pre- prepare for something so intense like that? You said you had a hundred acts. Yeah. How do you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
1: you just have to just practice. I think that's what it is. Um, w- what one of the strategies I did with research is that you don't want to have a script f- for script thing and that's for, Performer, or for any type of entrepreneur, business leader that's trying to pitch a pitch an idea, because if something goes wrong, then your mind will go into panic mode because you have a script. Uh, So I pretty much had to. No, i did had to i have i had to have an outline of what i want to do and kind of go along they made any jokes go along with them and all this because you never know what's going to happen um that's what i that's what i've learned you know in magic you never know what's going to happen uh so it was was really cool because i remember actually kind of going off topic uh here a little bit but one of the things that i've learned that a lot of entertainers do they take improv classes Mm. and it was funny because one show I had, someone's cell phone went off in the audience. And, you know, most, or some entertainers may be like, oh, you know, shut cell phones off, whatever. I said, no, no, no. I said, no, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. They said, okay. So I said, I said whoever's online, have them think of any playing card they want. And I end up guessing the playing card from the person who wow. <laughs> was in the wow. card. So it just, it just shows you don't want to have everything scripted because you never know you can take advantage of so many opportunities yeah okay
0: how do you develop that level of impromptu I know there's obviously classes but just Mm -hmm. are there any strategies that you've just used I guess more locally
1: yeah um so I think it's just really about getting out in the real world and practicing I know that's very uh cliche but if you want to be a performer of any type it's you just can't You can sit behind the computer and write out the script as much as you want and do all this pre-production organization, but if you actually go out there, you'll realize, oh, wow, this was harder than I thought, this was easier than I thought, and you just adapt it. Um, Every show I have is different. There's really no show that's exactly the same because I may say a line just off the cuff, just because someone said something i say wow that's actually a really funny joke and everyone started to laugh so now i'll use that line from that one or i'll say a joke that i thought was funny that no and no one laughed at and okay well i'll cut that one out (laughs) you know maybe this stuff look like an idiot but (laughs) but so you do i'm just always tweaking it's just always it's just taking advantage of every opportunity you know i may go up there and i'm prepared to do one routine and then just based off the person that's up there, I may just do a completely different routine just because I feel like that person would get a better reaction with something else. So it's just really going up, just just going out there and just doing it. And then you'll realize that a lot of what we do as performers is uh, improv, not a lot of it, but you have to learn how to improv and take advantage of opportunities and um, just don't do a trick, 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 but adapt it a little bit to connect with more people and things like that. Yeah.
0: I think that is awesome advice. <laughs> I think that just applies to pretty much pretty much anything. Just, mm. you know, do it and practice as you go along. I think that so many entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs or just our peers, just people our age, just, you know, don't take that first step to Mm. just actually do it and then just see what happens. But I literally, as you're a perfect example of that, you know, in your experiences. So uh, yeah, I definitely think that's definitely valuable advice. Yeah,
1: you'll you'll never know if you don't try. It's such a cliche phrase, Mm. but you can write down as many scripts and Mm. and do, you know, buy as many props as you want or have this idea, but nothing will happen if you don't do anything with it. And it's, the, the first step is very scary, but I always say, imagine if no one took risks in society you know what, what would society look like now um the society is based off of just people taking risks over time and over time and over time uh, it's it's scary because I, I personally i think the number one fear people have is a fear of being judged by others uh, I'm, I'm a big i'm a big believer in that so i but i so i think a lot of people have these great ideas or are afraid of to do something because they're going to be they've had that fear of being judged by others based off their actions. So they don't take that initial first step. But I know but I always say imagine if no one in society took a risk, what would what would it look like?
0: Very true. Before we move on to obviously something I'm very excited to talk to you about, (laughs) your involvement with the New England Patriots, I wanna know how do you develop that kind of barrier to judgment? How do you just Mm. go, look, I'm probably gonna be judged, people are probably gonna think I'm crazy but I'm just gonna do it.
1: Yeah, I think what I've realized over the years is that people are gonna judge you no matter what. Um, you know, you have to stop worrying. You know, worrying leads to inaction, and inaction leads to regrets. Uh, my dad told me that f- uh, phrase a few years ago, and I I live by that. Uh, you know, so stop worrying. Worrying leads to inaction, and inaction leads to regrets. So if you just kind of be yourself and just take the first initial step it's very hard to do um but you have to do it if you want to if you want to do something in you know in your life um so essentially with the patriots is that what ended up happening i applied for a position there in their multimedia department and they realized on my resume that i was a magician so they said do you do you want to kind of?" do magic to the players. So I said, fine, I guess. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that, but no, it was, it was, i like, I'm like, well, definitely. Yeah. Just count me yeah. in, whatever you guys need. Yeah. So wow. we developed a web series called magic moments and the players were coming in and, and do stuff. And it was, a, it was a very, uh, I learned a lot through, through that series of, you know, the type of tricks. I like the types of tricks I don't like, because all the routines I did in that web series for the player whoever that guest was at that time, was brand new material. Uh, I think about 90% of it I've never pr- performed before. Wow. So I knew people were going to judge me because I didn't have anything to compare it to. And I said, okay, if I did the routines that I would normally do, I said, okay, well, I know that this, this one gets a good reaction, so I'll just do it. But I wanted to take a risk every single time. Um so, But it was hard. You know, you had to think of Stathy, Stathy my consultant. I, I give him props because I owe him big time because we were, we'd we be up till four o'clock in the morning the day before and thinking of a routine to do that neither of us have ever performed before. Oh my
0: goodness. Uh,
1: on camera in front of a National Football League player. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. But but we wanted to do it. We wanted to see what can we do to kind of, st- how can we be creative in a way where the routines I do are very... Not the methods aren't simple, but they're simple in the way of how people perceive what's perceive what's going on. So that was kind of our goal was for the play for the fans to learn more about the players using using the magic. Um, so it was it was a great experience. I learned a lot doing it. I learned a lot uh, about my type of performance, what I need to improve on, what you know what I did good, what I did bad, And you know, what tricks worked, what tricks didn't work, because they were all brand new. Brand new stuff. If you if you go and watch a video of me, most likely it's my first time ever, ever performing that routine to to someone. So, but I've learned a lot though because I learned okay, well that didn't go well. That did that did go well, and then that led into me performing in the locker room with with the players, which was really cool because I would go in there for my for the the multimedia digital content part of the job and they would recognize me from the show so they would say john can you show me a trick i said oh sure so i was you know doing tricks to them um and then tom brady mentioned me in his press conference which was which was really cool uh, i was actually in the back of the room when it was happening and one of the reporters you know all of a sudden i heard my name i'm like wait a minute i, I know that name you know <laughs> so it was great um wow and then uh, then they just then they came back in super bowl 51 they had a I think up one point point zero five percent chance of coming back and winning. And, you know, they pulled they pulled it off. So i leave this up to the fans the same year they hire a team magician. They end up achieving an impossible comeback. You know, so I let fans decide if I had anything to do with that or not. <laughs> But I do, I find it funny, I'm just going to say, the, the same year they hire someone whose phrase is that impossible is just a word, they overcome the greatest comeback of all time in Super Bowl 51, so I'll let you put two new
0: together. <laughs> wow, John, yeah. that is phenomenal. Yeah. Talk to me about the first time that you were, you know, you were on the show with one of the players. I don't even yeah. know what that could be like you're you're firstly you're performing a trick you've never performed before secondly yeah. you know you're like on national television <laughs> you know what was that like
1: yeah so it was it was cool it was it was nerve-wracking at the same time I was excited uh it was Chris Hogan I remember like it was yesterday it was really? Chris Hogan great guy great he's a wide receiver for the team uh this great down earth guy and he was doing an interview uh for another segment of the show and then the producer said oh you know we're doing a magic segment next he's like magic what do you mean magic segment so he was like then that was kind of the first time like wait we have a we have a team magician like well now we do (laughs) (laughs) Um, so i did it i did a routine to him um which was which was great uh it was i i like being it was it was in a studio setting it was a one-on-one with the player. Um, I like being kind of outside. I like doing the locker room magic a little bit more because you know there's more people around. Magic works better when there's more people. Um, but it was, but that's what they had to do. They if they wanted to work, then you get a one-on-one play, which was fine. So I kind of had to adapt to that. Um, but it was cool. He had a, he had a great reaction. And then I think we filmed about, I could be wrong. I going to say 20 episodes. I could. Eh, I mean, I don't know. I could I could be making that number up. I forget. I, I don't know. It's around there. But but every episode. Uh, the players would know me more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so the last episode, they're like, oh, yeah, we want to go in, we want to do it, you know. So, for the first time, they're like, who who the heck is this guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> making me do this stuff, you know. But then I go in the locker room, I started talking to the players more, and one thing led to another, and they kind of knew me and they wanted to be on the show and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's just really building a connection. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be awkward at first, you know, obviously, you know but you know you just have to kind of keep going 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 and just what i learned you learn from the past show so whatever i did the preview show i look at it i analyze it. say, like, okay i did this right i did this wrong now i'm going to take that idea and apply it to to the next episode if that makes sense and again all these all these things were brand new brand new material too i wanted to i wanted people that have seen my magic also Be excited about it as well and see makes make sure that they haven't seen something before like oh yeah i know this trick but i want them to be like oh wow i've never seen seen that so it it was hard um having a one week turnaround time because we filmed it every week developing original magic uh for cameras which is even harder because you have to be very careful with your angles and things like that um but yeah so it's, it's it was it was a great experience yeah
0: So I think what struck me about what I'm just so curious to know what I (laughs) can't actually believe that you did is the fact that already I would say personally as probably most of our listeners out there may be able to maybe agree or not, but you already had the first challenge of going in and performing on national television with a player. But then you put another challenge on yourself, which was to create a new magic. Where does that... I guess, desire to continually challenge yourself come from? And do you think it's something that can be learned? Like, can we, can we learn that or developed?
1: Uh, that's a very good question. Um, I think I just love pushing the bat. To, to me, some to do something easy. It doesn't, is not really fun, I guess. Um, it's really, I like kind of thinking outside the box and thinking, okay, well, how do you get to point A to point B? Um, you know, to just go in there and just do a routine I've been doing for ten years, yeah, I can easily do it. But where's the fun in that, you know? Um, and now it's funny. A lot of the during my keynote presentation, now a lot of the routines I developed for the web series, I do in my in my keynote. So it made me, made the and I. Really develop routines that we can actually do now for our shows, which was great. Uh, you know, what's the use of just going in there performing? Tricks that you already know it, it's super we can e- I can easily do that, but there's really no fun in doing that, so I like kind of pushing the boundary and then after afterwards I would go on you know because they would push it out to the social media and the web, so I would look at the people's comments and see you know, okay what they what they liked what they didn't like and kind of adjust to the ne- to the next uh next performance you know so it was really you know from the first episode all the way to the last uh i I hope it was a it was a big transformation uh that that I wanted to do, and you know I wanted to make it like obviously the first one would um be different from the last one just because of how the routine is and the differences and trial and error and you know things like that yeah
0: for sure yeah for sure wow well we're coming up um to our time almost but i could sit here and talk to you forever (laughs) um so i think firstly i just want to acknowledge the incredible work that you do joan i think that you you Obviously, clearly, are inspiring the world to just do you know do the impossible, literally what you say. And I I'm very inspired right now. And I also I also just think that you know your ability just to stand by your passion and what you actually love to do is incredible. So I I really want to congratulate you on that. Oh, thank you, I appreciate
1: it. Thank <laughs> you so much. Of course, thank
0: you. Um, so I think that brings me to my second last question, and that would and that is. What is it like to be a young entrepreneur who's on their own time, who's you know, involved with such incredible organizations, who's making an impact in the world? What's that like for you?
1: Uh, it's very fun. It's very hard, but it's very fun as well. Um, it's, being an entrepreneur is very uh, different in terms of you have to create your own opportunities. Um, it's really about going out there and, and doing something. Um, and it's hard though, because a lot of people, including myself, we like to work with deadlines and say, okay, you know, this day I have a show, so I have to develop a routine for this or whatever. Um, but as an entrepreneur, a lot of it isn't deadlines. You have to make yourself be creative and do something. Um, but it's kind of, you just have to just keep pushing yourself and make deadlines for yourself and make sure everything's kind of organized because so an entrepreneur's mind is scattered it 's all over the all the all over the place, we want to do so many things, but I think that 's um, thing just sur- surround yourself by by good people good support uh, good support group and um, and be patient uh, be patient in uh, things things will not be an overnight success uh, it 's very rare uh, it's really just hard work dedication surrounding yourself by uh, supportive people and Uh, don't be afraid to take risks, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, trial and error and things like that. So,
0: yeah. I love that. (laughs) That just, you know, this conversation has been so, so insightful and thought provoking as I thought it would be. Um, So I just want to end with one last question, which is how we end all of our interviews here at the peers project. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about?
1: Uh, I think the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about is you can change the world. I think a lot of people are doing things with their life that they're not passionate about. And uh, the people who are passionate are the people who who put more time and dedication into their work and want to see their work be successful and want to change the world. They're, they're doing things not for the money, but because they love it. And I think that's, I think that's the, the value of going, going after something that you're passionate about, because you have a better chance of, of changing the world.
0: Amazing. Where can um, our listeners know, learn more about you and your work?
1: Yeah, so you can go to www.johndukelogan.com. J-O-H-N-D-U-K-E-L-O-G-A-N.com. Uh, my Twitter is uh, Logan32. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is JohnLogan32. Perfect.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, John. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Cheers. That's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here to see what else we're up to visit the Peersproject.com or follow us on instagram at the we'll have fresh real talk for you next week peers until then if you need inspiration look amongst your peers